Welcome back, everyone. This is the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. I'm your host, Scott, joined by Rich with your average everyday Chiefs talk. All of our episodes are available on most streaming platforms. Just search for the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. You can also check us out on our social media pages, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest episodes and up-to-date Chiefs news. So now that we have completed four weeks of the regular season, um, like we were kind of just mentioned, we're pretty much, um, you know, quarter into the season or, you know, fourth into the season, even though it's kind of hard to break it out now with 17 games. So I think we were saying like technically maybe tomorrow would be like the official, like, you know, like quarter of the season, but uh, we're rounding off. We're just going to call it pretty much right around that quarter of the season. So I guess, uh, Rich asking you real quick, like what is probably in the first four weeks of the season, like anything that's kind of stood out in your mind? as far as any kind of surprises or or things that you kind of just, you know, that you didn't expect at this point? From an entire NFL yeah, perspective? Or yes, entire NFL, so, yeah, I'm sorry. From an entire perspective, uh, I mean, the team last night, the Rams, I didn't think they would be that bad. That's twice they've gotten whooped, um, you know, this year. I mean, you know, the Rams are kind of famous for loading up their first, like, 22 players where they're, they're stacked, but they have – they're stacked on their starters, but they have no depth. Um, you know, obviously their line got moved around this year with some retirements and some uh, um, players no longer the team, but they're definitely struggling, right? I mean, like I said, that's twice um, that they've gotten, like, completely whooped on national well, it, TV. And I kept mentioning last night, I'm like, Allen Robinson, like, where is this guy? Like, he's just robbing them for the contract that he gave him. Like, well, man, I'd blame it on staff, man. Staff, like, he looks yeah. at Cooper and Cooper Cup only, and then maybe he looks at Tyler Higby. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, I agree. Like, um, I mean, he's someone that we wanted, right, that I think a lot of Chiefs fans wanted here. I think he would have fit our offense well. Um, obviously, we got a cheaper deal with Juju. Um, but, yeah, it's yeah, – I mean, I thought it was going to be a great fit because he's very consistent. Yeah, he has injury concerns, but he's usually consistent in how he plays. Um, but, yeah, like, I think I would chalk that up to – their offensive line is, is bad and just reshuffling pieces. Right. Um, but to me, that would probably be the biggest surprise. Um, I know some people probably talk about the Dolphins, but I think Mike McDaniel and that type of offense, you know, coming from the Shanahan, McVay, Zach Taylor, anybody who's been in that true West Coast, um, you know, style tree, they have success in the NFL because that's how the football works. So I'm not surprised about McDaniel's uh, or Mike McDaniel's success. Um, but I, I think most people would probably call the Dolphins out, you know, as a as a success story or someone that they didn't expect to be that good that quick. Right. What about you? Um, I'd say, like, my uh, – I'll start with my first one. First one is I didn't expect the Eagles to be the last undefeated team at this point, um, you know, being 4-0. Honestly, at this point, I probably would have expected, like, Buffalo to still be undefeated, you know, possibly us, depending on how things fell. Um but I just obviously out of the Eagles, out of all the teams, I didn't see the Eagles build being undefeated. Yeah, I know they played um, the Lions, which actually is my other point, which I'll get to in a second. Um, you know, the Vikings, the uh, Washington Commanders, and Jacksonville is the four games they played. So I mean, yeah, two of those teams are probably like you know at this point in the season, you know, above average teams. The other two are kind of like, eh, you know, they're not they're the greatest teams, but still, I mean. For them to, you know, be 4-0 right now is still kind of interesting, even though they're the division that was probably the worst division in football is now – it's getting better because obviously you got Dallas right with 
uh, Cooper, what was it? Uh, is it Cooper Rush? I think I'm saying his name, uh, right? Yep. For the for the Cowboys, okay, yeah. Cooper Rush took it over for um, Dak Prescott. You know, he's four and zero in his career, but they're three and one. Um, all of a sudden, the Giants are looking better, more so on the running game because Saquon Barkley's playing, you know, playing like he was when he first came in the league. So, you know, that division's looking a lot better, but they haven't obviously played in those teams, um, you know, in that division yet. But it's looking a lot better than how it was. So it'll be really interesting to see how the Eagles do when they start playing some of those divisional games. But they're they're like my first play, uh, my first kind of surprise. And then kind of the Lions, even though the Lions I picked as my sleeper team, I did not think they would be leading the league in scoring at this point. Like, I, it's just crazy how many points they're putting up every single game. Uh, I would not really expect that. I know their defense, um, you know, obviously from, you know, watching hard knocks and all that, I thought their defense was going to be pretty solid. I just didn't think their offense would explode, like how much is exploding. Um, even right. I mean, they're, they're the what? Would you say the third best offense, second best offense? No, they're, well, they're the number one scoring offense right oh, okay. now. Yeah, the Chiefs are, I think, second. Uh, I think Buffalo might be third as well, somewhere around there. But no, the Lions are has scored the most points in the league so far. Um, so I just didn't expect that. But I know the Grabby Pires are one and three, right? They're one and three. Yeah, that, that's what I was just about to get into. I'm like, so they're like one and three. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's the total opposite to how I thought. I mean, they, uh, they're one and three. So it's like, yeah, you score all these points, but you, you haven't been able to win the games. Now, we'll say, uh, obviously, their games that they've played, they've been really close and right. they're obviously high scoring. They just. Yeah, they were like, beating the uh, Vikings until I think the Vikings came back in the last like five minutes. Right. So it's and like. the Seahawks, right? That was who they played this past week. Uh, yeah, where it's 48-45. So it's yeah. like it's they were almost, losing big time in the game. It, it's almost like they're a Big Twelve team. Uh, they score a lot of right. points, but they can't stop anybody. Uh, so it's, um, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. So those those are like I would say like my two surprises uh, so far. But the the ones that you yeah. do are pretty good. And the thing is, um, like I so I have a buddy who's a diehard Jaguars fan, right? So I get the scoop on, you know, them all the time. And of course, you know, he's very biased towards their progression. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in most people look at it like, yeah, right, it's the Jaguars. But um, they've been surprising on how well they played now. Um, they were beating the Eagles this past week, right? And then it started raining and like monsooning and they forgot how to well, Trevor Lawrence forgot how to play, hold on to a ball. Right. Um, so, um, but I mean, at least they are progressing in the way that they should with a coach that's as good as Doug Peterson. So yes. I think that's a good thing. Like I think their off-season acquisitions and their drafts Picks um, have been contributing really, really well. So that's a it's a nice little team in a very weak division. I think that AFC South is pretty bad with the Texans. Obviously, the Colts that beat us, and they shut out the Colts twenty-four to zero, if I'm not mistaken. And then Titans mm-hmm. team that Tannehill's, you know, kind of wearing out his luck. Um, so they could win that division, which you know it'd be interesting, right? They might be like a nine and eight division winner, but I mean, eight, right. it counts. Well, and, and to your point, too, it's like, um, you know, about Doug Peterson. If they had him last year other than oh, Urban Meyer, I, I think they would have been very different last year. I mean, it's 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 tough to say. I mean, obviously, right. you know, how it is in different, different rosters and whatnot. But even though, you know, Trevor Lawrence was the rookie last year, I think they would have had a different – it would have been a different uh, type of situation. Now, their offensive line still wasn't great last year, but they've improved that this year. Um, but, yeah, just the coach alone – you probably they probably add three wins last year easy you know something like that um but uh, yeah so it, that's that makes a big 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 difference I, I like how he's running the offense in that team 
uh, right now. So they they would they were going to be next there after I mentioned the Eagles and Lions. If I was going to say somebody else, it would be Jacksonville too as well. So very solid point. All right, so on to our uh, week four review uh, for the Chiefs and Bucks game. Uh, obviously, um, you know, being on Sunday Night Football, um, we didn't get, you know, we, uh, you know, obviously got that showing that we kind of look forward to that we kind of talked about in the preview. Now, for the most part, it'd be kind of a back and forth game. Not as close, or it was, I was supposed it was going to be as close, like, um, than it was. It wasn't as close, um, but, you know, that had a lot to do with how, uh, Patrick Mahomes was just on fire in the first half. Uh, most of the whole game he was, um, just kind of back and forth. But, um, you know, I'll, I guess I'll, before we get more in depth, because it seems a lot to talk about in this game, I'll, I'll give it to, to you to give us the stats of the game. Yeah, for sure. Definitely a lot of uh, good things to talk about, right? So score-wise, Chiefs um, 41, Buccaneers 31. Chiefs are at 3-1, while the Bucks are at 500 at 2-2. Two and two. Going into the team stats, um, from a yardage perspective, the Chiefs were at 417, Bucks were at 376. In the air, the Chiefs had 228, while the Bucks had 373. On the ground, the Chiefs had 189, while the Buccaneers had three yards. So, uh, yeah, there's the total yardage perspective. Chiefs were sacked three times for 21 yards, and the Bucks was once for 12 yards. Um, and then from a turnovers perspective, um, Chiefs had one. We, we know which one that is. And then um, the Bucks had two, which I'm sure we also know which one that is and uh, where they came about, right? So um, talking about, let's say, individual stats, right? Mahomes had a really good day for the most part, aside from that one interception. Um, 23-37, 249 yards with three touchdowns and one interception. Was sacked three times. Um, his longest completion was of 36 yards, and he had a quarterback rating of 97.7. Rushing-wise, Clyde Edwards-Alaire led the way with uh, 19 attempts, which I was actually surprised when I read that earlier. I was like, when did he carry the ball 19 times? Um, yeah, but he I had 92 yards, right? Yeah. And then he had uh, one touchdown on the ground. He also had one um, catching the ball, too, so... I'll give him a call out there. The rookie Isaiah Pacheco had 11 carries for 63 yards, so very good day on the ground for him. And then leading the way, uh, once again, for our receivers is uh, Travis Kelsey, 9 for 92 and a touchdown. Uh, Jody Forston also caught a touchdown with Clyde Edwards or Larrabee and the other uh, touchdown receiver. Um, just high level, I'll go over. We'll say Tom Brady obviously leading the way for the Bucks. With 39.52, 385, almost 400 yards, um, which that's debatable on those yards. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. He had a quarterback rating of 114.7. So you think he had a really good day, but sometimes stats lie. And we'll talk I about mean, that later. Yeah, if, if you look at it just from like a fantasy point, you're like, man, I, I would love it's to have up, him right? on my team. But I mean, yeah, if you actually watch the game, you're like, uh, maybe 100 yards less is probably more deserving. For sure. And then Mike Evans. Um, so... I mean, they had three yards rushing. Um, most of them were for net going backwards. And then the rookie, Rashard White, had six yards. So uh, Leonard Fournette had minus three. The rookie, uh, not the rookie, Rashard White had six. So that's why they were at three yards. Mike Evans had a really good day. That is one player that, you know, absolutely did uh, very, very well, right? So he had eight receptions, 103 yards, and two touchdowns. 
while Chris Godwin's a little bit behind him with seven and 59 with no touchdowns, right? Fournette being um, the other player who caught a receiving touchdown. And then let's say um, to finish up on the defensive side, right? Because you always got to um, call those guys out. So for the Chiefs, uh, same two names that are always at the top, Legere Sneed and Nick Bolton. Legere Sneed had nine combined, and Nick Bolton had eight combined tackles. And then let's say from a sacks perspective, um, you know, Legere's is a, a sack fumble um, was a good one there, right? I think uh, something we'll be talking about here a little bit later. Definitely. So yeah, he was the one lone sack for the Chiefs, um, while the Mike Edwards, Carl Nassib, and Anthony Nelson had sacks for the Bucks. And then the one interception in the game came on that uh, Patrick Mahomes um, kind of probably maybe, maybe trying to do a little too much and didn't see um, the, the cornerback hanging out um, all by himself. Right, he's trying to throw it to Juju. Mm -hmm. So Sean Murphy Button had a one interception there. So. Um, that's what everything looks like from a team and individual perspective. Again, this is one where I think the scoreboard, so the box score, makes it look like a much closer game than what it really is. So it's one of those cases where I think numbers don't tell the full story. Definitely. And like you said, like kind of just starting from like Tom Brady's point is like, yeah, we were, like I said, like probably 100 yards, you know, less is probably more deserving of what he had just because, you know, when you get towards the end of the game, especially when a team's up by three possessions, you know, it's a lot of um, prevent defense or it's just, you know, stuff that's like, it. yeah, I mean, some of those yards I wouldn't really count as being part of it. But, you know, it is what it is, and that's that's kind of how the uh, the stats look like. But I agree it's – if you looked at the stats, you're like, wow, that's kind of a back-and-forth back game. It's a good game, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's one of those where um, – and I showed that clip yesterday of Shannon Sharp talking about how Brady – Every touchdown that they scored was when they were at minimum down. I think he said three touchdowns, but I think that was wrong. I think if, when I went back and watched it, mm -hmm. I don't think the Bucks scored a touchdown when they weren't down by anything more than 10 points, if that makes sense. That makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, every time they scored, the Chiefs were up by 10 points. So that's not a lot. It's only two scores, right? But they were scoring to make it two scores. So maybe what Shannon meant was three scores or maybe what I meant to mm – -hmm. or maybe I heard incorrectly and meant three scores, which would be accurate. So I think, again, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs' defense were trying to stop them. It's not like they just laid down, right? Right. Um, but uh, it was very, very one-sided, and I'm sure we'll talk about it here shortly. And one thing I heard, too, is that this that, that the series between um, Mahomes and Brady is now tied 3-3. Is that right? I, I didn't get time to look that up, but um... – that's what it was said on TV, at least. And I'm not, I was like, I was trying to remember all the losses and all the wins. And I thought like there might have been one more win in there, but um, I don't know. Yeah, because I know be right. that's what they said on TV. But now you got me thinking because obviously it was the first time that Pat played Patrick or Pat played Brady was in the AFC Championship, right? Or did we play in the regular season? No, that was the year when, like, Kareem Hunt went off in that first game but, of the year. But that was Alex Smith, though, right? Or was it? See, that's what I'm trying to remember. I couldn't yeah, remember. Yeah, see, that was, was Alex Smith last year. Oh, that's Kareem Was Kareem Hunt rookie a year? Uh, Alex Smith last? A, okay, yep. that makes sense. So let me see. 20, 2017, he only played one game, and he played the Broncos. So that year... Oh, I just clicked on the NFL schedule. Because 2018 uh, would have been his first year. His first yeah, full year. 
Which why is this not like I want to see which it might have been the championship game that year was I could have swore that was his first game. Then it would have been the Super Bowl. And then we played them again in the regular season. When was it last year? Oh no, we played them in the regular season that year. We they the year they uh, Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl. Remember we beat them. Tyreek had that crazy first half. That was before the Super Bowl. I thought that was last year. Mm-mm, that was before the Super Bowl. No, that was last year, wasn't it? I don't think we played Tampa Bay last year, unless that I can recall. Because oh, I remember, because I remember we played them, and they were like, "Oh, we're gonna get revenge from the game earlier in the season." And that, that, that could be possible. Well, I can't. I'm trying to look for the schedule in an easy manner, but it's not coming <laughs> up. Right? There's no what way you get like Tom Brady versus uh versus game Patrick Mahomes. Boom! There we go. All right, here we go. Game logs. Okay, in 2018, is that New England? We lost. Oh, okay, there it is. So, in 2018, we lost 40 to 43 in the regular season. It was week six, and then we lost 31 37. So, there's two. So, there's two losses. And then in. So next year is the Super Bowl year, right? So then we played the Patriots again in the regular season. That time we won 23 to 16. So that's two to one, Brady. And then 2020. No, week 12. That was the year that they we went to the Super Bowl. Um, and this is, he's with Tampa, right? With In 2020. Yeah, so okay, uh-huh. that one doesn't count. There's no Tampa, so we – oh, no, so there's Tampa. So yeah. we won 27-24. And then they beat us in the Super Bowl, 31-9. Yeah. Oh, so I guess I don't remember that game. Was so that it is – so we are So we are 3-3. Three and three that, or, I'm sorry, he is 3-3 three and three, um, in that contest against Brady. So I'm not – dang, so I'm crazy then. I guess I am off. We didn't play the Bucks last year. Yeah. I think a lot of people might have thought that game was last year, but it's like – because the, it was I that mean, COVID year, huh? Yeah, that COVID, <laughs> that COVID year, just like, man, everyone's memory's gone, right? So no, it's a right. uh, yeah. So so, like, so it is three, it is three and three then. So that makes sense. I wonder what's what, his record. I wonder what's if that's the best record versus any quarterback against Brady. That's a good question, actually. That'd be that'd be a, a research for another day, <laughs> right? For sure. Um, for three and three, but yeah, that's uh, it's interesting that they tie each other. Obviously, Mahomes is zero and two. Versus Brady in postseason, we know that. But um, out of those out of those six games, but yeah, so that's that's the big that's the big hurdle he has to get if they, um, you know, eventually do meet in the Super Bowl one last time or something like that. But um, but yeah, so that was an interesting interesting stat that they I heard about last night. I was like, I thought they had played more than six, but I guess that's that's right after we looked it up. So, um, so back to the game um, from Sunday night. So it's kind of starting out with some of the highlights from the game. Obviously, a highlight from the very beginning, right? Uh, the uh, basically the start of the game, the kickoff. Uh, you know, Chris uh, Lamont hits. Um, uh, who's the kick returner for the uh, Tampa Bay? I'm trying to remember. Wasn't it Rashard White? Or yeah, Rashard White, that rookie. Yeah, um, and he ends up, you know, fumbling, and um, Elijah Lee picks it up, letting you know what is the next play. This is I think it's like the very next play, Mahomes. Throws to Kelsey for that 16-yard touchdown pass um, to kind of start off the start off the game very quickly. 
Um, yeah, I was like walking to the kitchen to get something to drink or something like that, or a cookie. I don't know something. They're like, they score. I was like, well, so I'm. I went to the sporting game obviously on Sunday, so I'm driving. I'm driving to my dad's to watch the game, and um, yeah, I was like, man, that was quick. I'm like, right. I'm still like 20 minutes. I was like 15, 20 minutes away. I've already scored, so um, so that was interesting. Um, you know, obviously got that uh, got that turnover right there, and then uh, you know got that early lead. Um, and then you know, obviously there's some. You know, other scoring plays, I would say, in between that, which I'm not going to wholly mention. I think uh, Clyde edwards Lair had a, had a two-yard touchdown, like you had mentioned. He had scored um, on a running play in the game. So, um, But I'm going to kind of lead all the way into uh, the Sneed snack. Uh, sorry, the uh, Legereus Sneed sack on Tom Brady um, that led to that fumble that Chris Jones recovered. Which it seems like Sneak does that. He's done that like what I think out of the four weeks we've had so far, he's done that three times. I, I think in the in those four games, like once a game. Oh yeah, had. that's like a definite slot blitz, right? That they were. It's like a Spagnuolo stable. Yeah, a blindside blitz too, right? I think all most of them have been like that. So when did you um, see the details of it that he that he's casually um like doing some signals with his helmet and like messing with his gloves. Yeah. To play it off even more that, you know, he's not coming. He's kind of, you know, adjusted so that obviously Brady, when he's looking at him, he's like, you know, this guy isn't coming because he's not in the stands or anything like that. He's adjusting himself for coverage. Perfect. So that's brilliant. Yeah. The, the detail of several plays in this game um, were, were, you know, some high-level coaching stuff. Right. And I believe um, that was just coming off because we're at this point, we're up 21-10 uh, there in the second quarter. And that was just coming off of fourth down. Uh, you know, past the Kyle Woods Hilaire, who we got like, oh man, he didn't catch that ball. Like it was fourth and one, he was wide open. I, I thought it was a good throw. I just, I mean, I don't know if maybe the way position that Clyde Edwards Hilaire had, but it's like I felt like it was just like, yeah, it just didn't. Um, yeah, it's one of those where I, you know, I watched it a few times and I'm like, I think it wasn't the best ball played. Right. Um, because the way he's running, right, it's like he had to, like, drop his helmet. It was – it's almost like an overhead catch. Right. But it's not the worst angle possible with having a helmet on and where your head – you know how, like, you're, you're, whenever you have a helmet on, right, your head can't go mm -hmm. all the way back because of the padding and stuff mm -hmm. and then the obvious helmet. So it was one of those where Patrick could have made it easier, but Clyde definitely should have caught it, in my opinion. Like, it's right. one of those where an NFL running back makes – I think Clyde was probably like, ooh, I'm in perfect stride. Patrick's going to hit me in stride versus trying to make this catch, like, on top of my head. Yeah, so it's like – so we're just coming off of that fourth down drop and we're sitting there like, okay, well, hopefully they don't, you know, come down and score. They'll, you know, make it within a four-point game, you know, right there before getting close to halftime. Well, that's when, like I said, that ensuing drive when we had that – we had that sack that Majerius um, Sneed had, um, you know, on Brady and we obviously got the fumble. And then, um, you know, that's what led to the uh, touchdown. It was like 28, put us up 28-10. That Noah Gray was like fourth in, no, sorry, it was third in goal. I thought it was really interesting they did that Noah Gray. He would just kind of, you know, run underneath the, um, uh, the center, kind of snap it. And um, it, sound, it, it sounds like an Andy Reid play, right? He's done that, I think, a few times uh, with well, tight end. And that's what I was saying earlier is the detail of it, right? Patrick's over there pointing at Kelsey, I think, and like, you know, talking about a play. Yeah. And, and, and you know, obviously these guys are in the NFL. They're watching what's going on in front of them. Right. But it does take your eye, you know, off of it because in your head you're thinking, oh, this guy's motioning. 
now you've got to set, mm-hmm. you know, get on things quickly. Um, so no, there was some, there was, again, there was a, a lot of detail into deceiving a really good defense. Definitely. Yeah. It, I said it's get, they get creative when it comes down to, uh, the goal line. I do say that whole, um, underhand pass inside the five yard line. We need to give that thing a rest for like a couple weeks. Cause I just don't see how teams <laughs> do not keying on that, but, um, it still seems to work about at least half the time, you know, at least 50% of the time it's still working, right. maybe even more, but, um, yeah, so then, um, you know, obviously the Bucks come down and score that touchdown, made it 28-17 uh, at halftime. Uh, and then a couple, I think we had a couple drives in between, uh, which brings us to, um, obviously, um, actually, did I miss that already? Or not? I didn't miss that. When the, um, might have missed it already. I was trying to remember when that, that good, that uh, touchdown I think I did. I think I went backwards. I did. <laughs> so that touchdown pass to um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, that was actually there. Oh, um, yes, yeah, that was true. that was there early in the second quarter, which I actually had this down as my favorite moment of the game, and I think it's probably most everyone's favorite moment of the game. So, um, you know, we'll talk about it now, even though it was a little bit before halftime. Right. But um, obviously, yeah, it's like the ball's on the two-yard line, and Mahomes does what Mahomes does, right? He's just, you know, scrambling around. Someone's chasing after him. He'll find a way to – kind of just go around the other side of the field. And then, like, uh, I forget the guy that was trying to tackle him for Tampa Bay. He does a little spin move was, on him. Was it Devin White? I think it was Devin White. Yeah, it was Devin White. So he does a little spin move on him. And then you're like, okay, well, maybe he might get a chance to score. And then, obviously, the, you know, the everyone's coming after him. And he sees Clyde edwards Lair. He just, like, flicks it. Like, at first, um, like my dad was saying at first, like, he thought, like, someone hit his arm and it went like that. And I'm like, no, like I, I saw it from the very beginning that he just kind of flicked it, like not even really threw it, through it uh, to Clyde Woods-Alaire and scored a touchdown. It's like, I'm just like amazed. Like at first I thought, almost thought it was left hand. Only like, when they did their first replay, it was right hand. I'm like, if that would have been left hand, that would have been even better. But um, well, the thing is he made crazy. a throw similar. Well, I mean, I guess similar in a way that it was crazy, but you know the one where he was, like, basically getting sacked and he throws it to Juju? I think it was in the first quarter, maybe early second. That was the, yeah, that was in the first quarter because I had missed that play because I remember hearing about that, and that was on a third and one play. Yeah. yeah. So there was that, too. So, yeah, I mean, there was this, you know, I mean, we were talking about it, right, that he was on God mode um, on Sunday night, and yeah, I mean, there's just so many plays that you sit there and think, like, man, like my guy is my guy's on one today. Right. It was uh so up until that point, I mean, like I said, that third and one in on in the first quarter, uh to Juju and then that play uh there in the second quarter, um to Clyde Edwards at that point, you're just like, What's something this guy can't do at this point? It was just going Mahomes way all night at that point. Um and like I said, kinda of went to halftime twenty eight seventeen. Um you know, kicked the field goal, uh, I think, coming out of the half. We made it 31-17. That's kind of when the game started getting a little bit away, um, I think, because that's when the Bucks had punted, uh, I think, on their first drive of the second half. And then we had scored, um, I think, next. I think that was that 10-yard pass to Jody Fortson, which that's another thing, uh, interesting stat about, um, you know, another player we have on our team is Jody Fortson. Isn't something like he's had, like, eight targets and, like, six receptions and, like, four of them have been touchdowns right, or something, something like that. Like yeah. So it's been, like, it out, yeah. yeah, so it's, like, um, so he's had a remarkable stuff. That's why, like, when we threw that one 
um, touch or try to throw that one pass to him in the Chargers game, I believe it was. It's like the Chargers knew it was coming because they know, like, most of the time, Fortson's in those red zone situations because he's that tall receiver. You know, we want to kind of go to him. So, um, so yeah, he's he definitely most of the time when he gets the ball, it's it's either in the red zone or it's in the end zone, basically. So, um, good to see him um, scoring a touchdown for the season. And then, uh, kind of like the last thing I had because I mean, after that, it was just kind of you know a little bit of back and forth. At that point, it was thirty-eight seventeen. And then ultimately, you know, final score, like you said, it was 41-31. So it was just kind of a little bit of a back and forth. Um, I do want to kind of I, uh, touch on two things. Um, you know, Matthew Wright, who had to step in for Harrison Butker because it was his first, his first game on the team, being the kicker. He made, you know, all the extra points. He kicked, what, two field goals um, in the game? All of them straight down the middle. Like, there was, there was no, like, it might have been close either way. No, they were, like, straight, like, down the middle as clear as you could kick it anyway. So he stepped in pretty well, um, you know, for the Tampa Bay game, which I wish we would have had him sooner, but, you know, it's maybe just didn't work out. We didn't have him for those other uh, two weeks. And then I guess my last point uh, would have been, I guess probably something you could probably touch on too as well, and you kind of mentioned about that. Uh, it was in the fourth quarter with three minutes to go, and you want to kill more clock, and then Mahomes throws the interception. It just didn't make any sense to me. Like at that point, I felt like the two plays that there was there was really, if you had a pinpoint, there was two bad plays all game. It was the one, the last play of the first half when Mahomes was passing. We're at our own forty-two, I think, right, and I think it was like maybe ten seconds left, so it really didn't matter a whole lot. But at that point, you know, you're up. 28-17, you get the ball in the second half. Like, just take the knee, go into the halftime. I think a lot of it had to do with what happened that Colts game um, in the first half the previous week where we didn't go for it. But this is the time of, time of the game. In this game, you don't go for it. You know, either just run one play, run the ball, um, or just take a knee because he got sacked on that play. But what if he fumbled that ball or something? You know, it's just that's that kind of situation probably wasn't the greatest. And then – um, obviously, the interception um, there in the fourth quarter, I felt like they should just kept ran the ball one more time, take what forty seconds more off the clock, punt the ball. You know, game's over at that point. I don't, I don't know. I don't see what you're trying to do at that point at all. But uh, interesting to see what your thoughts are um, about those kind of situations uh, in the game. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those where um, it. I was, I didn't agree with the play call, but it wasn't surprising, right? I mean, it's intrigue we're talking about. Um, my guy would probably throw the ball every time if possible. So I get it. And, um, you know, obviously we have the benefit of watching the play after it happens. But even if you right. look at the play design, and I think, you know, they were calling it out on Sunday night, that if you run that kind of a play, you had everyone going to the left side, right, which I can't remember if it was the field or the boundary side based on the alignment. But mm -hmm. you have everyone running to the left side. Patrick, I don't know if he actually scrambled left first or looked. I don't know he looked left first, but I don't know if he moved and the line moved left. But then he obviously ends up throwing it back to the right. Well, if they were sitting in zone, because, I mean, you should be sitting in zone at that kind of a – in that kind of situation at that down and distance. So that backside corner was just sitting on an island by himself with nobody guard, fully keying in on Mahomes, and then the way he throws it back. Um, yeah, it just didn't make sense, right? And I think that one is obviously 100% on Patrick. But, 
yeah, the, the play call, he wasn't helped with the play call, but you still got to make a better read there and make a better decision. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, other than that, I mean, I, um, you know, I thought most of the whole game plan was, um, you know, I, th- I thought it, w- it was kind of playing perfect for what they had, had going against Tampa Bay. It ended up working out, obviously, pretty well with the with the win and, you know, most of the game, like I said, being up by two or three possession uh possessions at that point so um yeah to your point it just there might have been some things but like you said at the end of the day you know whether it was you know andy calling or Mahomes saying i want i want to throw this one um you know this this play or whatnot um it's just it's going to happen that way and you're going to you're always going to have those plays every game so um you know like i said like that interception in the fourth quarter you know what happens if that was a completion you know will we still be talking about it i mean i don't know so it's just uh the way that some of those things happen but uh, overall, I said game, great game. Um, you know, overall, I would have said because I think even Mahomes would have had a better passer rating. I think obviously if he didn't throw the interception, so but uh, or you know people that had him in fantasy that probably were like ah oh, she'd have probably lost my game because of that. But um, but yeah, I think he still had a great game overall for sure. Um, so I kind of mentioned obviously um, you, my favorite moment of the game obviously was that pass to Clyde Warsler. I didn't know if you had anything different. I mean, that was probably, you know, majority, probably uh, people's favorite moment from the game. Favorite moment? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be different, obviously, um, that play was amazing. That's what little kids right now are probably running around doing since they got home from school in the Kansas City area and actually anywhere, right? But um, I would say if it wasn't that one, I would go for uh, Legereus Needs uh, slot blitz and, you know, creating the fumble obviously who recovered i think chris jones recovered it yeah so um so yeah that to me would be my favorite play just to be different it was and uh, i guess i'll put a side note on that it's kind of interesting that uh, chris jones got that fumble it's kind of good to see that after he had that penalty in the colts game so um you know good that he kind of got that that fumble there in that point so game ball man there's a lot of places i could go with this um I mean, a lot, really. Uh, you know, I will say I've first had Kelsey, and I decided I'm not going with Kelsey. I'm actually going with the whole defense. And the reason why I say that is because um, they only gave up three yards rushing. Uh, I mean, I know there was only six rushing attempts all game. But, I mean, that's not the Chiefs' fault. But the, <laughs> you know, when they ran the ball, they stopped them. So um, I'm going with the I'm going with the defense for only giving up three yards rushing. And I'm going to argue with you. When a team gives up 31 points, <laughs> you can't give them. No, I'm just playing. But um, so, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to go with the game ball. I think, you know, Mahomes is without a doubt the MVP in this game. And so since you went elsewhere, um, to me, it has to be Mahomes. I think his play up until the interception was borderline perfect. Um, you know, a little bit of some brilliant pocket passing. There was a, I don't know if you were home. I think it was in the first quarter. I'm so, I'm so bad at. Mm-hmm. remembering it like I was just watching it right before this too again there was this throw that he made in between it looked like bracket coverage it could have just been obviously zone or um, you know some kind of man too because Kelsey had a guy under him and he had to go over the top and Patrick from the pocket made this brilliant throw um, so he you know made his throw from the pocket he obviously had his Mahomes magic that we've all been talking about now um, and everyone was tweeting about so I think without a doubt Patrick Mahomes showed us he reminded everybody of why he's the best player in the NFL, and he would be the first pick on the fantasy draft in real life play. 
Um, so yeah, for, for me, the game ball goes to Patrick, but then I'm going to cheat a little bit and say, I think the second one for me would go to coach, man, Andy Reed. And remember I texted you about this or, uh, you know, we sent a message in our group chat Yeah, that he was on one. He, his play mm-hmm. calling was brilliant. I had just told a buddy of mine and we were talking about game predictions that, um, I think Andy Reed's play calling is going to be on point tonight. And aside from that interception that Patrick threw, I do think that's, you know, that scheme as well as execution. The play calling was brilliant. I mean, there is another play if you look on Twitter somewhere. Um, I'll see if I can find and share with you. But um, so anytime players are running in motion, right, they usually get set because – well, I shouldn't say get set because if they're not set, it's a legal formation. But they stop moving before the play happens unless it's like a jet sweep, right? Well, there's one where they bring McKinnon in, and before he set in next to Mahomes because he was out wide, I think, like as an X. Right. And he comes in next to Mahomes, and they snap it when he's like halfway there. So, again, catching the defense off guard, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I'm sure there's obviously some scouting of that. Um, you know, maybe they figured out something that the the Bucks do something based off a of movement, or maybe they're not good when when people aren't set or stop moving. Uh, but either way, like I said, Andrew Reid was on point with everything from um, the play calls to um, – I mean, even that fourth and one, right? I think all of us were like, no, he's going to – you know, some folks were like, no, he's going to kick. And everyone's like, no, yeah, right. It's Andrew it's Reid. Right. Um, but it was a brilliant play call, right? Poor execution between Patrick and Clyde. But um, – so, yeah. So, I would say Patrick is my for sure game ball, and I got another one for Andrew Reid. So there was another pass, too, that you didn't mention. I mean, there's so many plays in this game, right, that was just was crazy good, how it was called up, you know, drawn up, everything. Um, there was one that I remember, I I want to say it was in the third quarter. Uh, it was when Mahomes uh, threw to uh, uh, MVS on a play where he pump faked, and he pump faked so hard. He pump faked the cornerback so hard that got uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantley open on that play. It was on a, like a sideline throw. It was really, it was really like really nice developed play um, by, um, by Mahomes on that, doing the pump fake to draw in um, the cornerback to make uh, MVS kind of open for that play. So that's a really nice play. I think it, I want to say it was somewhere around the third quarter, but there was so many like that all night. Like kind of, you mentioned some others as well. Um, also, I kind of mentioned, I, I forgot to mention one other thing too, as well is, you know, to Tampa Bay's um, defense, and I don't, you know how much defense you want to say, is you know obviously they practiced in Miami and they kind of had some of these you know hurricane things. Do you think like you know maybe some of that played in the fact of this game? I mean, obviously you know you know give credit where credits due, but some of the preparation where they weren't at their home, their facilities, and all that for most of the week, um, does that have some of it to do with? Maybe how the defense wasn't it didn't really show up like a top five defense for the most part. I mean, I think it's it's ignorant to say no, it didn't because man, they're, you're not at home, you don't go through the normal stuff. Now they are at such, I mean, they're at the highest of the highest level, right? So the execution down to every details and making it as as normal as can be, as as top notch it can be, right? Pending Todd Bowles is that kind of a coach. Um, but I'm sure it is. You know, I'm sure the details of everything made it to be where they're, it's almost like being home for practice. I mean, it's not like they were practicing at a high school in Kansas City, right? They were practicing at a world-class facility, um, you know, had access to everything. 
So physically, I think they're okay. Mentally, I'm not sure. But then mm-hmm. again, they are pros. Um, I mean, the, the Chiefs and the Rams went through that, right, with the whole Mexico, Los Angeles thing. And they had and a they great game. playing at the Rams Stadium and they had a great game. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, like I said, it's ignorant to not at least consider it. But I think at the end of the day, the level they're at, that's not an excuse. Yeah, I agree with you. I just just kind of throw it out there because, that you know, that does have, a, I mean, a little bit in some aspect, maybe not a whole lot, like you said, because they're pros. They're used to it. But just to kind of, you know, Please say something about it. Stir up the pot, man. Right. (laughs) Stir the pot. Um, So then move on to the last thing on this is um, obviously kind of usually normally get like a player that kind of disappointed or or whatnot of a game. Um, It's tough in this one because most of everyone (laughs) on this game played pretty well. Um, I mean, you could (laughs) go with – and I wouldn't even really say Jalen Watson because, I mean, he was guarding Mike Evans. um, Yeah, he was getting (laughs) tested. He's he was getting toasted, but I mean it's Mike Evans and he's a rookie, so it's like uh, you know it's kind of like kind of tough. And he, and they, it wasn't his fault for most of the game. They were single covering him when they was he was destroying the Chiefs defense uh, for most of the part. Now I will say there's a couple of them that were inside the red zone, and I mean it's kind of hard at that point, right, when you're right. spreading people out in the red zone. Um, I picked McCall Hardman just because at this <laughs> it, it's it's tough because like at this point. You know, of him being on the Chiefs, what is this, his fourth season now? It just seems like you you think it's going to get there for him and and improve. And it's just like he had one target, a one catch for four yards. Now, there was a one play, I believe, Mahomes threw the MVS on, um, in the end zone, I believe like a 20, 25-yard pass, and Hardman was wide open. But see, at that point, right. I mean, <laughs> but at that point, it's like Mahomes, like, you know, do I need to throw this guy? I mean, I don't know. I really don't know what it is, but it just seems like either he's just not getting open or what. But I'd have to. I mean, I have to put Hardman down as, um, you know, someone kind of disappointed that you you thought would be becoming an impact and just didn't do anything in this game either. Damn man, hard crowd. I mean, you do nothing and you give them the do nothing <laughs> ball. So no, for me, man, it would be Steve Spagnuolo because of what you mentioned regarding Mike Evans. And again, right, we don't know the game plan. Maybe the game plan is let Mike Evans do what he does. We'll hear about everything else because um, sometimes stuff like that happens, right? Like I remember watching a video about Bill Belichick playing the two, you know, the 2001, 2002 Rams or whenever it was when they played the Rams. And he said that they were going to let – or maybe it was Barry Sanders or somebody, right? It was somebody where they said that you're going to let Barry Sanders or Marshall Falk do what they do just to make sure no one does anything else. And right. they won the game. So it could have been one of those situations, right, where it's like, okay, well, we're going to – you're going to be one-on-one. Versus Mike Evans, if he gets his thing, he gets his thing. We've got to make sure we take care of things every other every other place, which we did. Um, but, yeah, so because I don't know that, I'm going to still give it to Spagnuolo because, yeah, like, how can you not bracket coverage Evans? Mm-hmm. Um, then again, though, whenever, um, you know, you play in a guy like that, it's probably impossible to stop him. So, you know, I don't know. So I guess, yeah. A combination I mean, I, I, of Jalen Watson and Spagnuolo. Right, and I don't. I kind of gave you a layup with that one when I first mentioned it, <laughs> but uh, no, um, unless you already had that one kind of in mind. But um, what was I going to say? Oh, I don't know about you, but at some point in the game when I was watching, I was getting Jamar Chase vibes. Like I'm sitting there, like uh, this guy <laughs> is dominating. I'm like, I was like, can they not stop? Well, him? you knew where it was going, right? Like you knew, like. I felt like Romo in the uh, AFC Championship versus the Patriots when he was calling out our plays and stuff. Mm-hmm. As well as the the Patriots, is um, 
you knew anytime in the red zone, Mike Evans was in the slot, it was going on some kind of a post. And then that's when, remember yep. when Thornhill tagged him, which was the most legal hit I think you can do in modern day football in that kind of situation. Because the only other thing you can do yeah. is let him catch the ball. Or the only right. other thing he could do is like hug him and like hang on him and look like a child. But and become pass interference, that, yeah. Right. But like aside from that, Thornhill could do nothing else to make that the best hit possible. Um, aside from let him catch him the ball. Let him catch the ball, right? So And like and like you said, if he caught the ball and Thornhill right? still hit him, would that even touchdown. be a penalty? Would that even be a yeah. penalty? Yeah, I mean, touchdown, like, no penalty. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's like it happens in soccer a lot. In soccer, yeah, there's a rule where a foul is a foul, regardless of if it's in the penalty box or in the 18 yard box or if it's at midfield, right? It's supposed to be, but most referees do referee it a little tougher, and they're like, "Oh, well, you got fouled lightly in midfield. That's a foul. But if you get fouled lightly in the box, it's not a PK, but it's still a foul." So I think the refs did that in the situation. They're like, "Oh, it's an end zone shot," which actually is 100% on Brady. Brady killed Evans on that one. He did. You know, I'm sure Evans uh, doesn't appreciate that after <laughs> Evans got suspended a game for uh, for uh, having Brady's back right versus the Saints. So, but yeah, Brady completely left him out there to dry, and he's 100% the reason why Evans got tagged on that play. Right, right. So, so I guess one thing before we get into our final thoughts, uh, uh, topics that we have for today, um, could you see this possibly – being a rematch in the Super Bowl once again. Like I said, we mentioned this earlier, how when they played each other the first time in 2020, they met in the Super Bowl. Um, and we kind of talked about our Super Bowl predictions earlier on, you know, a couple episodes um, ago. But uh, could you possibly see this being a, a Super Bowl rematch again? I cannot. Like, I mean, obviously I'm a Chiefs fan, so it sounds biased. But yeah, the, the Bucks don't – the Bucks offense doesn't look great without Gronk. Brady doesn't look yeah. right without that staple tight end that he's had basically his whole career. Um, basically, right? Because he didn't have him in the first three Super Bowls. But after that, he basically did. So um, I would say no because of that. I think teams like the the Eagles, first of all, I think the Eagles are a good team. I don't know how good they'll be in the come playoffs because of how young they are and inexperienced. But the Niners are also another team that I don't think they beat in this, mm -hmm. you know, with this kind of a team in this current mode. They just don't have the offensive firepower, even though they scored 31 on the Chiefs, right? Um, you know, we talked about how the score, to me, is a little bit of a liar. Um, but we said that, right? We said that it was going to be a close game. But if it wasn't a close game and the Chiefs were able to get up early, which they did, it was going to be hard for the Bucks to win that game because they just aren't able to catch up. And I get it. 31 points is a lot. But, again, what I mentioned earlier, every time they scored a touchdown, they were down by three points or right. three scores. Yeah. So, yeah, my answer to that question would be no. I could not see it from a Buccaneers perspective. I can the Chiefs play like that every game the rest of this year, which I know they will not. Um, there's no one in the NFL that can beat that team. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, the Chiefs play like that. Like you said, like you just said too, not a consistent basis. It's not going to happen. But if they play like that in the playoffs um, or those games, they're hard to beat. When Mahomes is like that, it's hard to beat. I'm sorry. 100%. Yep. Um. So yeah. All right, so leading into our final thoughts uh, topics, uh, obviously we'll first touch on, um, we kind of mentioned actually last episode, we were like, oh yeah, there's a couple of topics we might discuss, but we'll talk about one of them was uh, the uh, Herm Edwards, uh, Arizona State situation that happened uh, back in mid-September, I believe it was. Um, so kind of like starting, kind of like a little bit of a backstory, I guess you would say, 
Um, I know that because we were kind of reading up some of it that I didn't hear about until today, actually. Uh, you know, I think it was last year they they had some um, like recruiting violations uh, that kind of happened in the summer um, for some of the things. So they you know wasn't sure how much you know Herm Edwards was involved with that. I mean, obviously, head coach normally has you know some parts of that into any kind of recruiting right for their their school. So um, you know, leading up into um, you know, this year, because um, obviously that was last summer that the NCAA started the investigation, but leading up into this year, I guess there was, uh, you know, been rumors about um, some coaches on his staff or, you know, even I think um, other um, college coaches, you know, were pretty much knew that they were just kind of, he's leading up into, um, you know, being fired from Arizona State, uh, which led up to, I think it was, uh, yeah, so September 18th, I think it was, um, that game that they had played pretty much right after the game was over. Um, I believe that was against Eastern Michigan, I believe. Uh, they lost by double digits uh, at home. The um, Arizona State president and the athletic director basically met him towards the end zone and basically um, kind of escorted him out and kind of was like, I think he was kind of fired there. I mean, I, know, I don't think a lot of people knew, you know, when it happened or whatever, but a lot of people kind of think it happened right then and there. And it's kind of interesting situation because you just lost the game, you know, at home, double digits, and then you have to go into the locker room with your players and you just found out you were fired. I mean, just, it just seems, it just doesn't seem right. But, um, you know, I, I mean, obviously, or, you know, the, the college or the athletic director, they have their reasons for what they want to do. But I think it had more to do with the backstory behind it with, um, you know, there was the leaks, the rumors beforehand that other coaches knew that he was about to get fired. But what are your kind of thoughts on this situation? This this seems kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, I don't even say wrong but is a, is a word, but it just seems different, right? It just doesn't seem right. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I mean, we hear stuff all the time from the college football world when you have 119, 20, 120 schools, I think, um, in Division One. I. I mean, I know stuff goes on that's weird and all that stuff. And, yeah, it just seems like very, very poor management of not only, let's say, the, the coach in this situation, but just overall how they conduct business, um, you know, at Arizona State. And a lot of times that is why schools are bad. Like, you know, everything goes hand in hand. It's very rare that you have a bad administration and a really good team. Um, eventually it, it comes out right and so like at, at Alabama there's a reason why Bama's been that good for what like 15 years now if not more is right. because everything from the AD to the president to you know Nick Saban is on point as world class right because they have to be that's just how it is even when you look at remember the uh watching the uh the Bulls documentary what's it called um the last dance right um I mean, I guess it only lasted as long as it did as opposed to longer because there was, you know, the, the GM thing, right? The GM and the owner and all that stuff. So eventually that stuff wears out. It wears thin on people. Um, and I think here at Arizona State, I mean, first it was crazy that they hired Herm Edwards, right? He hadn't been, we talked about it earlier, he hadn't been a college coach since the late 80s. So that was a weird hire. Um, he had been, I mean, for Arizona State, kind of successful in his three years there. Um, and yeah, I mean, they just wanted to go in a different direction. And so if that is true that they really did fire him on the field, which you've seen the clip a few times, 
that's just a really bad way of treating people. Um, and those kind of things are usually stop you from getting really good coaches. There's always going to be some young and ambitious, you know, former alumni type coach that'll come in and try to write the ship. But um, like I said, you know, I mean, look at Wisconsin today or not today, yesterday, they fired a coach who I don't think has won anything less than nine games. Um, it's from right. Wisconsin and like an alumni and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, that situation there with Arizona State is weird. Um, they've been battling for a while with all kinds of issues at the program and their school from what I've heard, right? I think ASU yeah. is known as the party school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, who knows? But, I mean, again, right, there's one of those teams where I don't think they'll ever be up there with – which, where are they now? Are they in the Pac-12 or 10, whatever it's called now still, or – uh, I believe they're. Uh, I believe it's. Are they still with it? Yeah, I believe it still is. Because um, I know they changed it when. Let me see real quick. ASU conference. And yeah, it's like. Yeah, so they're in the Pac-12 still because you know they've they've moved you know some teams have moved around now right, like Texas and it's OU to, being in the SEC get, eventually right. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be hard to get to right. <laughs> so, but yeah, they're Pac-12. Um, but yeah, I just don't ever see them being good to the point where they're constantly competing with the Oregons and the USC's. And I mean, even UCLA is doing well this year. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. We'll have to see what happens as far as like, you know, where he might land next or, you know, if he goes back into, um, like an analyst role, like he was on ESPN. Yeah. I think um, that's really good for him. He was fun to I watch. Like on, yeah. Was it on ESPN, right? Yeah. Um, he was fun. I think that's a good role for him. I think coaching has already gotten past him. Um, I mean, and he's a good dude. Like, I remember meeting him one time, just kind of having, like, a casual, very, like, short, casual conversation, you know, just at, like, a Chiefs event. Mm-hmm. And he's a good dude in, in general, right? Seems like a good person overall. So, yeah, that's uh, what him I, being I, an analyst kind of, would be great. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I kind of, you know, someone like that is as nice of a guy like he is. I just don't think – if that's what did happen – where he was fired on the field after the game, um, you know that just for the guy like that, it's not definitely not deserving. Not really for anybody, but somebody especially, you know, especially particularly him. Um, so, but, you know, hopefully we'll we'll hear out more information as time goes by. But like you said, it'd be nice to see him some some kind of analyst role. Um, you know, maybe if he does like a play by play or something like that, uh, anything like that, I think he fits well uh, with doing for sure. Yeah, I mean, and uh, he's known for dropping uh, some verbal gems, right? Um, so mm-hmm. get back in TV, Herman. <laughs> you'll you'll spend more time at home, make a good dollar, and you know you'll be able to do what you like, which is giving us some great lines that we right, still quote sure. to this day, right? All right. So just to um, get moving on to our last final topic, we have uh, just like a quick. I know we discussed earlier about this is kind of like the quarter or midway or not midway <laughs> one fourth of the year so far uh kind of have what where our uh awards race we have for three different categories where we're talking about um mvp uh offensive player of the year and defensive player of the year so kind of real quickly uh what do you where you would have for mvp at this moment so this changed literally from one week to the next um i would have said lamar jackson prior to this week, but now I would say Patrick. With that game, he just had – he's already – I mean, he's tied with uh, Lamar, right, as touchdowns, or I think might be Jared Goff, too, mm-hmm. or maybe tied with Jared Goff. I just looked it up. Um, but he's leading the way with touchdowns. His interceptions aren't great, but they also aren't, they aren't terrible. Um, and that game he had 
against a really good team that's supposed to be one of the NFC contenders. I think put him up there for me. Um, slight, right. Slightly above Lamar Jackson for the week because I think Lamar has been brilliant. And then um, Josh Allen, who is, I think, I know it's I who I picked. I think I can't remember who you picked. Uh, I think Josh yeah. Allen's numbers are, they're good, but, uh, you know, he lost to the Dolphins. So. All right. So I, you know what, I'm kind of going to be the opposite of it because I'm going to say right now it would still be Josh Allen for me. Um, yeah, like you said, they are good, but I mean the Dolphins in a way still were. I mean they're still kind of a upcoming team. Yeah, still a good team. Uh, but if I had to put somebody else in there, um, I would probably obviously put Mahomes in there at probably two, and then Lamar Jackson at three for me. I do have my sleeper, who's kind of obviously didn't expect a whole lot from this year, would be Trevor Lawrence. I mean, obviously I don't think. In the end, he's going to, you know, obviously be heavily in that race. But I think he's playing he's playing pretty well compared to some of the other quarterbacks that we probably thought were going to be played better than him. Man, that man had five turnovers by himself this past <laughs> Sunday. And I had to ask him, and I was like, how do you fumble four times in a game? Like, walk me through that. And yeah. I was like, dang, my guy struggling. <laughs> so as, as far as like, yeah, but I mean, as far as like other, I mean, uh, the he's first exceeding three expectations. Games, yeah, the first three games. I mean, I guess I guess you'd say if you had to put all four, yeah, he probably wouldn't be in there. But if you had to put overall and cut out one game, I think he's definitely exceeding expectations. And you know what sucks is I tried to like because last year I would have one hundred percent voted for Cooper Cup. I think Cooper Cup deserved the NFL MVP. What he right. did was amazing. I mean, it hasn't been done. Only like four people have ever done it. I think last time for somebody to do this was Randy Moss. I think it might have been Chris mm-hmm. Carter. Um, so. But, like, this year, nobody has stood out that much just yet. Of course, that's only week four. But I was trying to look at, you know, somebody else to kind of give that a non-quarterback to put up there because it does just become a quarterback award. But nobody's been – no, you can't say anybody has been better than Josh Allen, um, Lamar Jackson, or Patrick Mahomes. No, those are easy top three. Uh, yeah, you can't go – you can't go wrong with that. I mean, Jalen Hurts, I mean, uh, I mean, to, I don't – I think he's done more – He's up there. He's, he's up there. there. He's he's up there, but he's he's probably a fourth, right? But yeah, I'd say solid three would be those guys for sure. Um, who do you have for offensive player of the year? So since I went with the homes for MVP and I'm changing it up, I'm gonna actually go with a familiar face for us. I think Tyreek Hill. If you take Tyreek Hill out of that Dolphins offense, Dolphins offense. That sounds funny. <laughs> right, um, Dolphins offense. <laughs> um, I think that team is maybe winning a game this year, if that. So for me. The offensive player of the year at the moment, so different from the MVP, would be Tyreek Hill. So he's my—he was my other guy, but I had one guy ahead of him. I'm going with Saquon Barkley, and the only reason I, I say that—I that. <laughs> <laughs> was going to say this because the because kind of where they'd be said terrible about, without him too. Yes, I mean because Daniel Jones is like average at best, um, and, and I'm, now they don't and have I, him. And you, yeah, right. Because <laughs> I was going to say in average at most, but um, uh, Saquon Barkley is exactly. Yeah, they would at three and one. They wouldn't be out with him, and like I said, he's looking great um, this year, kind of like he was his rookie season. So, um, yeah, I think at this point, but I, Tyree Kill. I mean, like you said too, like it's almost the same point of there. Like, where would they be if they didn't have him on the team too? Right. Um, so for sure, that's a good one. Yeah, because that that probably would have been my second one is Saquon because yeah, they've been they've been. I think their record is a little bit better than what they actually are, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I mean Saquon's been a hundred percent the reason for that. Right. So defensive player of the year, um, I have Nick Bolsa uh, just because 
he's played outstanding for the Niners. Uh, the Niners' defense overall is just it's, – it's almost like the year we went to the Super Bowl and we beat them, right? They're getting to that level, if not almost there already. Yeah, they're um, really good. They tore up the Rams yesterday. So, yeah, so um, he's probably my front runner. Um, I'll leave it to you to give out the other ones. I do have two other ones, but I want to see if it's one of those guys. So, for me, um, I mean, I kind of maybe figured – I did actually – I can't remember. No, I picked – I think I picked – I'd have to go back and look at my notes to see who I picked for defensive player of the year. But I've got Minka Fitzpatrick so far. I think what he's done – with the Steelers um, is really, really nice. I know he's been a little dinged up lately, but for me, he's been the defensive. I think he single-handedly won the game versus the Bengals um, in week one, um, despite getting some weird Juan Thornhill type, um, what do they call it, unnecessary roughness penalties right? late in that game. But yeah, for me, it's been Minka. Um, he would be my defensive player of the year at the moment. So I had, so other ones I had was I had uh, Khalil Mack, uh, for the Chargers, and I had uh, uh, Mika Parsons for the Cowboys would be up there too as well. Um, oh, yeah, those are good ones. No, like, um, I, I mean, I thought about Alex Highsmith, right, the one who's kind of basically been stepping up in, in place of J.J. Watt. Mm-hmm. But, um, oh, yeah, I like Michael Parsons a lot. I think he makes – the the Cowboys defense is really good, and he is probably the biggest reason why they're so good. Yeah, I think so too as well, for sure. But yeah, I forgot about I forgot actually about Fitzpatrick, uh, how well he's played on that defense in uh, Pittsburgh. So yeah, he's actually a good one too as well. But yeah, we'll have to see uh, how these ones kind of um, stand up. Uh, well, I guess what we'll try to do is you know since we're doing a quarter, maybe next quarter we'll kind of we'll revisit. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll have time of the year. We'll see what happens. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see where we're at at that point. All right, so that will actually conclude today's edition of the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. Uh, We actually will be back here soon uh, with our preview uh, of the Monday night football game at Arrowhead against the Las Vegas Raiders, which it is Raiders week, as Marty would say. So um, definitely, uh, I think a lot of people are always always excited seeing the Chiefs and Raiders play. So that will be a a good episode uh, for us to talk about uh, that game and also, of course, after um, as well. So. Um, Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to follow our podcast. Go Chiefs!